Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. We are broadcasting from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. I'm Ms. Shannon, once again here with my friend, co-host, and podcasting husband, Jake Satia, Executive Director of the Twin Cities Film Fest. Hello, Jay. What up, homie? I was talking about you for multiple reasons last oh. week, and it was all good. So I have some good stuff planned for Be Our Geek in the future. I ran into a oh. young man who is very excited to come on our show in the future. He's a comedian. Mo Yakub did a show with me. He wants to come on and talk to you about Bollywood. He does? Yes. So we're going to set that up. I promised him that when we get back, we are going to have him on the show because Mo was very excited. He said your name with the most flavor and the most accent I have ever heard, even though he does not talk like that normally. I love that. So we're going to have him on in the month of July. But on today, our guest geek this week, and I am good friends with her. And when I mentioned who should we bring on this week, she was the first name that you sent me. So I was glad that you brought her up. So our friend Roxanne Battles. So Roxanne oh. is here with us as well. Thank you. Hey. Good to see you. I know I've always told everybody I was a closet nerd, which was translation closet geek. Yes. So. I'm coming out of the closet today. Yes, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Let it fly. We are also going to cover the things that you know Roxanne does in her her more professional life yep. because she is an award winning and best selling author with her her book Pockets of Joy. That oh, we're going to talk about the particular thing that she is geeking about currently, and I got some background information about this as well. I did talk to some people out in the community that were aware of your particular geekdom, and they were <laughs> they had an interesting perspective You're on it. Spying on me? I too? just brought up that you were going to talk about it and then they gave me feedback so I'm going to share the feedback with you of course Roxanne and so Roxanne the other thing that we want to cover before we get to our second segment that is going to be all about Roxanne Battle Jayton I want to check in with you so Roxanne Jayton is part of a fantasy film club Yep. Like anytime you hear about like no not fantasy like triple X fantasy I mean like fantasy football or fantasy sports exactly which I am very shocked she is my most polite lady friend I was like well done Roxanne normally I'm the filthy one I'm glad that your brain goes there out of cage I was like and that happened without wine thank you so perfect so what it is is just like when you hear about guys that go into fantasy sports or women that play fantasy sports yeah. so it's uh, uh, much like you know football fantasy football fantasy baseball we quote unquote recruited recruited (laughs) team of films that we think is going to do well in the quarter so we bid on films and um, everybody goes around the highest bid takes that film and then hopefully we just wait until the film gets released and the box office results so at the end of the quarter um, the film uh, excuse me the individual that has the most box office dollars based on their 10 film selection wins the pool of money now the thing That's is that actually clever and it, great. and Jayton who is our movie geek he is the executive director of a film festival he knows all about movies now the thing is that he has had some epic fails in doing his research on what films he should bid on what was the biggest yeah, fail the one that you should have bid on but you didn't do your research and didn't understand the title <sighs> it was called us <laughs> which it was not it was us <laughs> he and could i completely <laughs> thought it was a new movie called, <laughs> called us like, i don't i don't think some people will go see the movie us because i had like <laughs> other ones and and it was the very last one that was bid on and uh, i'm like is there a consistent thread with the movies that do well, have you found? Um, Marvel. So the ones that obviously are the biggest blockbusters, Star Wars, uh, anything Disney, honestly. Right. That, yeah. That's going to have the marketing power behind it. But the ones that kind of hold you to the top or the second or third or, or out of the second or third are the ones that you do a little bit of research on and based on the genre and the uh, demographic that they're going after. So 
my epic win yes. was I bid on Black Panther. Right. And that was before... Like, none, none of the other guys got, like, how important Black Panther could be. Right. All right. I finally saw it. I'm a laggard when it comes to that. Overhyped, yes or no? Um, Not for when it came out. Does that not make sense? Not for when it came out. No. It came out two years ago, and it was the right time for that story to be told. For now, if you were to say, now, again, there's nothing against putting out content that people will watch and pandering towards a specific genre. And I get that. Like there's a lot of horror movies. It too is coming out, right? Like correct. all these are, again, at the end of the day, it's a business. So from, from an executive standpoint, now a lot of the content that will be coming out will be quote unquote going after that demographic hardcore. And that is going to fail because yes. mm-hmm. it's not natural. It's right. forced. And so that's where I think. So you're saying out. the timing of Black Panther attributed to. Yes. Not I think, so much the content. Well, I think if you were looking at the, the overall genre the of superhero films, uh, was it the best superhero film that no. had ever been released? No. no. Was it the most uh, solid film that, fu- that, that features Afrofuturism? Definitely. That's how I felt. At the time that it came out, well, was about Wonder Woman, right? That's DC and not Marvel. Talk about how successful Wonder Woman was. And obviously the next one's coming out next year. So that was all about, not necessarily feminism, but the way they portrayed it as like a women power. But when it came out, it was the right time. Correct. People were hungry for content. Right. Yeah. And they were hungry for content for Black Panther. Having been a laggard and saw it well after the hype died, I was disappointed. Why? Um, because I thought that the African-American character, the, the black people in that movie were, were one-dimensional. I mean, they never ate. They never had sex. You never saw how beautiful their homes were. You didn't see the children. They were just one these one-dimensional beings. And then when you did see them in Wakanda, which I heard so much about... Wakanda wasn't a beautiful... I mean, you saw the flyovers. Mm-hmm. And then when, we, when they were in the city, they, it was just like this outdoor festival atmosphere i think that if you watch it in line with the rest of the marvel films um i think that it had a very specific black panther tone and tenor like they do with every sub genre in the world in the universe but i think that it did do a good job of building out that character if you put it on par with the way that they built out the Ant-Man franchise and the Thor franchise, I think that you got as much about Wakanda and that sub-universe as you do the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe well, I think with it's also a, a, It was also a better backstory. Correct. For that particular character. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I mean, I see one, one movie every 10 years. Yes, the other reason why I liked Black Panther, especially at the time that it came out, is that you, you know, as a person that grew up watching these superhero fantasy and sci-fi films, um, I thought it was just a very solid superhero film that happened to focus on black and African characters. And that was part of what I wanted. I wanted them to make a solid film where they wouldn't go, it's good for A. And that's what I felt about Black Panther. It was a solid, efficient superhero film. I thought it was solid for the franchise. I thought it was written in a very efficient manner. It didn't have a lot of exposition. All the things that I pick a lot of films apart for in this genre, it just did. I thought it had a three-dimensional villain. I thought it was, I thought it did enough for the the way that they built the family aspect. I thought that the women had agency without us going, oh look he has a whole guard of women. It was they just are amazing badass women and that's why I I, I love it. it. I love it and I can see that and 
I'm someone who came to the film after all the hype. So right. I had a much higher expectation of, you know, I'd, I'd read the articles about the hairstyles and the costumes and all that. So well, like, you, you know, you got to talk about behind the scenes, right? Yeah. You had an African-American director mm-hmm. and then predominantly all the set, the entire crew, majority of it was either African-American or diverse. And I think those behind the scenes stories were told really well through costume design, through um, um, uh, production design through the conversations that were happening even between ca- characters as well. So what you're saying, Jane, is I'm woefully misinformed. No, totally you're, you're no, no, no. Is here's, valid. A, here's the thing, you know? right? For me, at the end of the day, I look at a consumer's reaction at gut at gut feeling. Right. Yeah. So what your, whatever your gut feeling is, first and foremost, if a film elicits emotion, regardless of what kind it is, the filmmaker has done its job. Right. Right. So I never walk out of a film, excuse me, I've walked out of films going, eh. And I think that's the biggest slap in the face to any filmmaker. It's like, I didn't elicit any emotion. It wasn't even horrible for you. Like, you got to give me something. Why was it bad? Why was it good? What did you hate about it? What did you love about it? Because mm-hmm. that's feedback for an artist to take into their mm-hmm. next project. So right. when a consumer like you, who rarely watches films, and when they watch it, they have a guttural reaction in whatever format, that's a win for the filmmaker. And again, for film going. Otherwise... Same thing. You listen to music more than you watch movies, right? Yes. Your favorite type of genre, you're always accustomed to certain things that you're going to listen to. But when you experience something new, you automatically know it's for me or it's not for me. Right. See, the only type of movies, that, my favorite type of movies are superhero movies, the man-man-man movies. I call them the man-man movies. <laughs> What's one of your favorites? What's one of your favorites? Spider-Man. There okay. you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, Which no, no, one? No, 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 no. Iron Man. Iron Man, oh, okay. sure. Tony, Tony, yep. Tony Stark. Tony is like, and, and. He's I, a perfect superhero. He's a mind. perfect superhero. Yeah. He's quirky. He's funny, you know, and I, I just expected the same treatment from Tony Stark that I did that, you know, in in um, Black Panther. And yep. those are the kind of conversations that we like to have with our friends that are a little bit adjacent to our normal world. Because like, Jaden and I will have a, de- a tendency to go more deep dive in this and be able to go, well this and from the comic book and then the sub this and then when they did the remake and then did you see this? Yep. Not everybody does that and we know that not everybody does that. That's part of what we do here on the show is that we do come from the posture, the posture that everyone is a geek about something. There's something that you know much better than Jaden and I know. And we like to hear you get excited about that. That I don't know. Because we can sit here and talk about, you know, the the deep dive into, and we've had numerous conversations on, you know, we don't even, necessarily agree. <laughs> no, we don't all the time because we both like Black Panther. I liked it more, but I think I also came from from a, uh, a need for having. Afrofuturism portrayed in a certain way on a big screen than Jayton did based upon his particular cultural circles. But there's other films that he was all super into that I'm like, that film was C plus at best to me. And that's part of what it is. Speaking is of which, which, have Al- that. Aladdin. Did you watch uh, it? I haven't seen it yet. Did okay. you see it yet? Uh, haven't I seen s- Aladdin. I saw it and I thought what do you it was think? better than uh, what everybody was saying online before you go watched it. Fair I think enough. Will Smith, you get uh, read an article which I agree with. Will Smith is still a star. Okay. Like people would go watch Will Smith and everybody was like, oh, he's failed in a couple last. Like, no, no, no. He's a, he's a star. Right. He brought a new uh, depth to that particular character. If you have ever, did you ever seen Aladdin? Like even the cartoon? I, I saw the, car- the yeah, Robin Williams yeah, cartoon. Yes. So, and then I, th- I saw the Broadway, I mean the theater version of it as well. Yeah. So it's a different take on the same characters. It's updated. They give uh, Princess Jasmine two new songs. Okay. Oh. So she's got a little bit more of a... Um, 
voice mm-hmm. in it. Um, their costume design is brilliant. It is still it's still Aladdin in the fact that it's colorful and it's fun. And you get the CGI with the animals and uh, all the characters were uh, were well cast. I'm more on board with this update from watching the trailers and such for Aladdin than I was on board for the new Lion King because I felt sure. like the Lion King was a scene by scene recreation with CGI animals, and so and it, it might be different. And I've but heard that's what I've about seen Lion King so too, far. I was going to ask you, but I'm going. Like, why do, you, how do we you have that? going to do? Um, I think, of course, it'll do just fine, just because it's right? Disney. That's 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 you know it comes and with that marketing machine. And we need that kind machine. of content. What else um, are a bunch of people that have 10, 11, and 12? you going to take their kids to go see. I think people will go see Aladdin second time as opposed to Lion King second time. The reason okay. I think that is I think Lion King is a little too dark. The way they're portraying everything, mm-hmm. they look yeah. too like the like too real. Too real. And the thing that I was I was hoping that actually they would and and I was a big fan of Aladdin, the old cartoon version and Robin Williams and we all know that you know we've talked about this where Robin Williams has a has holds a very particular uh, soft spot in my heart for multiple reasons and so I was actually very excited when they cast Will Smith because I know how big of a personality you need to be able to fill that show shoes it has to be another blockbuster size personality it couldn't be an unknown that's in that because Robin Williams is so Robin Williams in the way that he portrays everything, even in like the indie films that I was in, it would still have a particular flavor it, to this it. This doesn't take away from Robin Williams. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, so she what, needs what to be Will different. Did, what Will Smith did was Will Smith. You but, can see Will Smith in this character. And that's what I was going to say is that. Bold. Right, and that's what I feel about Will Smith and why I thought it made sense, is Will Smith is one of those actors that is almost to Will Smith for certain parts. Because when Will Smith shows up in a role... You can't not think it's Will Smith. He's a great actor, but he's Will Smith right. across the board. And it goes, all, it goes all the way back to Fresh Prince. Yes. Those French Fresh Prince-isms are still there like, decades later. I feel like there's, there's Will, Robin Williams, there's Will Smith, there's Keanu Reeves. There's a couple of actors that you're like, no matter what vehicle you put them in, is still Will Smith, you know, Smith and that's tried, what I feel though. Like. He's tried uh, kind of not necessarily shedding that, but he tried it with the pursuit of happiness well, and with seven I get pounds. That. What was the pound? I saw seven, seven pounds. pounds. Yeah. And I liked him in that. Yeah. And, and what was the other one where he was on screen for like 20 minutes all by himself in the first, it was the end of the world. He was a doctor and there was some disease that was killing people. One uh, or what was it called? Yeah. I am one or something like that. Well, that because that was one of the ones where I was like, that's one of the ones that made me think the way I do about Will Smith is that one because it was a because I mean that was something where I read that book back when I was a kid so I kind of had an idea what that particular character you know that whole apocalyptic you know I lost my family and I'm talking to a mannequin character yeah. that's why you have to always keep one friend even if it was your least favorite friend <laughs> just learn that from this show Roxanne <laughs> okay. keep one friend because one money. anybody that's by themselves <laughs> goes crazy pants yep. two you might need a protein source so if they're a little weaker protein than you then keep choice. them but <laughs> that's yeah. good to know in an apocalyptic <laughs> scenario you learn something from being on geek but the thing about will smith is that even in seven pounds and in you know and all of those things and the whatever the one with the miles in the title you know even when he's doing that and i do think he is a a a good dramatic actor as well he has two speeds he has comedy will smith he has drama will smith he's will smith you can't go i think this is the character like you're never gonna start calling the character 
the name, you're going to go Will Smith as this. Does that make any sense? Well, there was that one space sci-fi movie he did with his son. That was garbage. At, <laughs> right, because everybody said it was Will Smith trying to be Lawrence Fishburne. Mm, <laughs> I didn't enough. hear that, but I could see that. <laughs> it, it was, yes, no, that was a and horrible movie. And it tanked. Horrible movie. It was, horrible yeah, movie. It was a horrible yeah. movie. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, yeah. I watched, uh, so go watch Aladdin. Okay. And if you do like, um, and both of these movies I have in my fantasy league. So you were like, I'm so going to go Aladdin, see it. I'm going to tell everybody to go see it okay for me it's doing well um based on the amount of money i spent on it um and then i watched john wick uh so if you like action and if you it's keanu reeves so it's again he's keanu reeves the keanu reeves is keanu reeves but the thing that i heard about john wick three and i haven't seen this one yet is that as far as those very action driven just the choreography of a of a of the shootouts and the fight scenes it is amazing for that, which is a little dated, kind of. I agree. But he does, it is, this is the model of what those films are supposed to be look like, is what I read about. I agree. And okay. I think there are epic uh, dance sequences, okay. which for me, dance sequences in this realm is fight choreography. Right. Right. There are 10 minute constant, like the camera does, you don't know where the edits are. Wow. It's such a fluid thing, and that's what he does really well. And I think his his stunt double is, is right on, as well as all of his counterparts who are either the bad guys or whatever he's fighting. What film are we talking about? John Wick John 3. John Wick 3. It's a third movie in this franchise. <laughs> oh, But it's the, the I first one was... I've probably been under a rock for like forever. And the first one is kind of a sleeper. Like, where it, like people saw the first John Wick, and people were kind of like, wait, what? And then yeah. you saw it, and you're like... That was dope. You know, kind of thing. It was super it was like amazing. Hit. Yes. And so it just, nobody really expected it to be action. as amazing as it he's was. He's an it's assassin. Action basically, yeah. he's an assassin. Hired assassin. And right. so, event- basically what happens is somebody <laughs> kills his uh, wife. Yeah. Um, Which we've heard that narrative in right. lots of these films. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay. And so then he snore. takes revenge and he's kind of like, I'm done with this like after he kills a guy. And then somebody kills the, his dog <laughs> who his his wife's dog that he's got his own memory. So, so then he goes crazy. He was like, right. you can't kill my dog. And then the next thing is just like two movies and him like <laughs> killing taking people because taking revenge for killing the dog. <laughs> and now actually they made a, they're actually optioned a fourth one. So yeah. The fourth one's and so come it is super fun. And I do think that it's in the realm of violent films. We'll say, I do kind of think that as far as back to what Jayton was saying about um, the taking the way that it is filmed. They are very fun to see in the theater because there's so much going on that it is very entertaining to see in the theater. And so before we take a break, I want to talk about one more film. We're going to take a pivot. And I want to make sure that we talk about this film because it is the kind of film that doesn't historically do well in the theater because it's something that you think you can wait until you see it on a small screen. And that is the new movie, Late Night, starring Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. So a lot of times, historically, these comedy films, they'll make some money, but they don't make a ton of money in the box office the way they used to because they don't have to be that kind of destination. It's almost an obligatory, we're going to release it in a 800, C, you know, 800 theaters across the country, but they know that their bread and butter is VOD and or right. post. Yeah. Right. Netflix right. or wherever it's going to end up. Right. And Just full disclosure, the names in it. The, you know, we were invited to uh, a screening of it. They actually gave us, uh, for Beer Geek, some uh, passes to give away and some prize packs and such. So I wanted to mention that before everybody started saying that my particular review because this film comes out on June 14th that my particular view is skewed by the fact that they gave us things to give away. We've given away things before and we've still said that the things were C plus and we've been very honest but they're like, but you'll like the stuff. 
you know, kind of thing, and it's free. Yep. And we were been. All right. I loved the movie Late Night. Okay. Um, as Dang. someone who is very critical of comedies as, as well, um, and but I laughed out loud on on numerous occasions. And, you know, so this is a film where it, it stars Emma Thompson as a late night talk show host who is kind of at the point where she is very. Um, well intentioned but they would the industry would say she's past her prime and how she tries to maintain her show and keep her position and she hires a new young writer through a comedy of errors it's Mindy Kaling's character Molly and how they interact so it's not all about their interactions it's also a story that's about women in male dominated um industries there's another theme and that's agency female agency yes it's about that and so it's about so it does take on the themes of what is it like to be a woman in an industry where there's not a lot of women what is it like to be a woman that's aging in uh media and in um and in hollywood it takes on all of these subject matters in such a funny but effortless way it's just so, the way that it presents its story is just, you know, as someone who's been in this, and this is why I think you'll love it too, Roxanne, mm-hmm. as someone who works around all these things, it's just more like, here's how I can make, I can I can showcase a scenario in a very authentic way, and it's still funny. It doesn't feel like they're pounding you over the head with it. It's like, yeah, this is what would happen if you were a woman and you were 50, and we're going to comment on it, and we're going to make a joke. Here's what would happen if you're a woman of color, and this is how the guys around you talk, and now all of a sudden you're throwing them all off. But it's like that's why humor is such an important vehicle, because it makes medicine go down. Right. Because everything about it um, was... I could go, I see it. You know, I'm like, I get it. And, and, and even the way that the two women interact, I thought was very authentic because, you know, Emma Thompson's character is still going as someone who's been in the industry longer going, this is just the way it is. And yeah, maybe it's not fair, but why are you showing up all of a sudden complaining that this is the way that it is? Just deal. Mm. You know, I've been dealing with it for decades and that's just life. And it's so funny and so charming. Emma Thompson is wonderful. Minnie Kaling is amazing. Did uh, did Mindy write the? Yes, film? and and I believe directed. I oh, might have. Oh, wow, she directed. The yeah, film. so she was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And I, you know, I want every outfit that she wore I think in she it. She was in. She was on Colbert last night, um, talking about the film and the project, and talked about her her first experience meeting with Emma Thompson and how she went to go see Much Ado About Nothing. Yes, I love uh, that. Way back in the day, which is one of my favorite um, adaptation of the of the play. Um, I mean, they had some killer. Keanu Reeves was in that movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Barely, <laughs> but still. Yeah, it was um, like, hello, Keanu. And Keanu, he came in and Keanu did. He was like, hello. Keanu Shakespeare, which was <laughs> do we do, do we ever talk anything about like what's on Netflix? We do. What do you got? Well, I just finished binging um, Renee Zellweger's new movie, new series, um, the first season of What If. Uh, oh, I heard good okay. things about it. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. So tell me why you would recommend it. Um, or not recommend it. I, 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 uh, I would recommend it. It kept me intrigued. Um, even though some of the characters might fall into, you know, sort of the caricatures that you see okay. in thrillers. You know, the clandestine, uh, evil, bad guy. You know, the cool, controlled, uh, evil woman that Renee... Um, plays uh, there were some twists that were very modern that were very now Uh, there was the writing the characters are crystal clear they're cut 
clear and, and the writing is very good. Um, and it kept me guessing. And wonderful. As, as for someone who's got a producer mind, there mm -hmm. are some things that I didn't see coming. Oh, wonderful. Okay, we're going to add that to the binge list. Amanda to the bench list. And, um, and, and her clothes were to die for. Okay. And I just looked up Mindy Kaling. She wrote it. She did not direct it. They had another female director. Um, so I think that we have some good things for people to do. They can sit there and they can wait to see a couple of these films. Uh, we encourage you to go see some films in the big on the big screen while you have the opportunity. If you don't have time, we now know what you should binge when you're at home on your Netflix, right? What if? What if? So we're going to make sure you check that out. And we are going to take our first break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Roxanne Battle. And it turns out that our friend Roxanne Battle, along with being an award-winning journalist, a best-selling author, she is also a big fan of tea parties. So we are going to cover that. We're going to go in a deep dive on some silver and some polishing and some tea when we get back on Be Our Geek. Welcome back to Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something. I'm Ms. Shannon Jake Satia is here. Our guest geek this week, who is rummaging over there, is our good friend. She's got a, a magnifying I know, award-winning journalist, uh, best-selling author, Roxanne Battle. You can find her at right. RoxanneBattle.com. That's Roxanne with one N. So, Roxanne. Huh? Uh, Roxanne and I had the joy of going thrift shopping together uh, about a month ago. And I have been cocktailed uh, before by Miss Battle. So I was familiar with her, and I thought the kind of things that she did with her free time. You know how you get to know a friend and you go, I think I know what they're about. And then you see them in a different setting and they take a turn <laughs> that you're like, oh my word. I lost and my like, mind. And it's like when people come to my house and they're like, what are those it's on like the, the wall? road not taken. Yeah, when I go and I go, and it's the same thing, like in Roxanne, I'll, first of all, I want to talk to you from a position of love as your friend. This is a safe space. Look, I collect uh, action figures, comic books, and swords. I have, uh, so this is all okay. love. No. And this is all Love. No one knows this about me except my absolute closest friends. And I'm revealing this publicly today for the first time. And so when I asked her and I told her what the show was about, and I said, okay, we'd like you to come on and talk about something you're a geek about, she goes, like, well, I'm not a geek. And I was like, everyone's a geek about something. What is it that you want to talk about that normally when you you bring it up around your friends, they're like, oh my gosh, can we not again on that? <laughs> and she said, oh my no! <laughs> so she got excited. We've done enough shows where people say... Um, I geek out about and there's generic things generic <laughs> as in like people, a lot of people geek okay. out about music a lot of people geek out about films a lot of people I, geek about comic books I've never ever 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 heard about <laughs> anybody that says this particular I topic tea parties tea parties I geek out about tea parties and my silver it's like a teapot on the table here. what is that you're right this is a gonna silver teapot this is a silver teapot that, that and so like and so then I'm okay I'm you're the, giving me such joy it's a silver, wait 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 but so let me show you now. Let me show you. It's a show and tell podcast. Yes, Great. Yes, it's a show and tell okay, so you hear this? You hear this? These are silver goblets. Okay, look at this one. Okay, it's yucky. Look at this one. This is what I do to the silver. Describe you it, James. I do, and I have a secret that you can, that pe that's why pe that's why like I find them. And do you have your own proprietary I, they're, mix? They're jet black. I find them, and they're jet black. This. I did this today, right before I came over. She Look cannot at this. See, this stay is the point. We were this in, Jaden. We were in the see? thrift store when she Look. found that tray. Look. This is what it looked like when I found it. This is what it looked like when I got done with it. 
And I so, did this in a matter of minutes because there is a scientific process for polishing silver that takes just minutes. That's why all of this stuff is discarded okay, okay. because people see it and it turns black and they said, I'll never get it shiny again. <laughs> I have discovered Roxanne, through the breathe. Breathe, Roxanne. I told you, I saw her. We're in a thrift store. Looking for stuff. And everything was fine. Okay, she saw that, Trey Jayden, and she lit I, up. She I turned into a whole person. This is a cute that is look I That's did, this really in, nice I did that in a matter of minutes and then, and then what I'll do is I'll take it and I'll polish it some more and it'll be this was jet black so okay, okay so let's pause for a second okay. um, and unless we are going to talk about this <laughs> so give me give our consu- our, our listeners context behind why this particular hobby and or geekdom exists for you it's a marvelous question <laughs> it's a marvelous question okay first of all i like i also collect porcelain tea cups i went to harrods in london and had tea in the tea room at harrods uh, it's just a thing for me i think they're beautiful and so it, it morphed from the teacups to the silver teapots and in a nutshell, the it's con- the fair behind it too, right? It's, it's the spirit. The, it's exactly yeah. the context. You know, I talk a lot about joy, right, and happy, and all of these things were created. There's two points of context for me with my teapot and silver collection. One, all of these things were created to bring people together, and the number one predictor of living a joyful, happy life are your relationships, is your relationship with other people. So the silver goblets were created, you hear them tinging? These were created to bring people together. This gorgeous, ornate teapot that was uh, created by the Rogers brothers, they established in 1847. This was created to pour tea and or coffee to bring people together. This lovely silver tray that was jet black when I found it, and now I can see my reflection in it after I polished it, was created to candle little pastries and little cakes to bring people together. So that's my fascination. That's your why. That's my why, is that teacups and my silver teapots bring people together in the most beautiful way, in a beautiful setting, in an ornate, lovely setting where you celebrate your togetherness. There's a soul connection already, right? right. The reason what I, I do what I do, is, which is a film festival, is to bring people together. The, my geekiness mm-hmm. is a geeky thing for me because it brings people together in a beautiful way, in an, and in an intentional way. You have to intentionally polish silver. You have to be intentional about making the tea and, and pouring the tea out of a silver teapot into a porcelain cup. You have to be intentional about setting out the tea treats. You know, there's the sweet and the savory. Though that's all intention and that's all on purpose. And the sole purpose is to celebrate our togetherness. What I always find been, so yeah. sorry. What I always find so interesting too when you do this is that it's also about the story and being able to share that's that my, story. That's my second point, Shannon. Mm-hmm. I swear we were separated at birth. <laughs> One, one, it's to bring togetherness, and that's why I have a magnifying glass here. The other isn't. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. That's fine. The mm-hmm. other is indeed the story, because if yes. you look in my magnifying glass, you will see the silversmith's imprint on the bottom of the um, the the pot. You'll see the imprint. You see that? If you look, you'll see. The, you see the imprint. That imprint, if you look it up, will tell you when this pot was made, 
what version of it was made, who was a silversmith, and you can pretty much determine whether it was silver plated or sterling silver. Very, okay. very big difference between silver plated and sterling silver, which is in a museum somewhere. And that's how these teapots came about, is because the average person wanted to be like the people in England, but they couldn't afford the exorbitant sterling silver. So a lot of this is copper over silver, and silver plated, Plating came about in like the 1800s. So yes, yeah, so first of all, it is a story. When you look at the imprint, you can tell who the silversmith was. And then I have another show and tell. Okay. And Roxanne, I'm just I am appreciating your joy. Okay. Okay. Yes. So That's now, cool. so now, what I'm holding right now in my hand is a gorgeous silver water pitcher with a no, and an ornate handle and beautiful footed ornate feet on it. You turn it over, you see the silversmith mark. This was Rogers Brothers Silver Company, which is a very popular silver company. And then you see the 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 the. Uh, particular make. There's a number 2507, which tells you what version of this water Got pitcher. It. Okay. So after I polish these up, I can't see the water, I can't see the mark of the silversmith until I polish it up. Okay. So I polish it up, and then I sit and I look it up. And I researched the story of how the particular piece of silver was made. The second story is you see on this water pitcher, there's an engraving on it. Yep. And it says CWC. 1963. Who was CWC? Wow. And what did he do in 1963, or she, that someone would present them with this beautiful silver water pitcher? My mind goes crazy imagining who was CWC and what did they do? Do you? It seems. You know, I feel like I'm on the on that TV show, The Antique Roadshow. <laughs> Because she really knows her stuff. No, she this is brilliant. Lost you it. watch those shows, and you, you again, all those individuals who think something is worth a value, but the, the, the most fascinating things is a subject matter expert standing there telling the story about where this came from, who this person was. Yes. And I think majority of those individuals who bring items to the Antique Roadshow are looking for that story. The, right. yes, yes, the dollar I, amount yeah. is a cherry on top, blah, blah. Right. But like this is still means they would all hold on to all those items. Right. Like I look at like you can still, still see the thrift store uh, price tag on this beautiful silver tray that I'm having. It was $800 <laughs> on this <laughs> It, it was. It's two ninety nine. Was, I, I spent two ninety nine on this silver tray. On this water, this when I found this gorgeous watch silver water pitcher at the Goodwill. It was on the bottom shelf. It was jet black, and it was five dollars and ninety nine cents. And I polished it up, and I looked at the price of it. Um, you know, I researched it. I'm because it's silver plated. I might be get. I might get thirty dollars. I might get fifty dollars for it. Right, but. You're exactly right. I've done this long enough now that it's not about the price value. Although secretly, I hope one day I will stumble upon a forgotten piece of sterling silver, and right? But it's not so much the dollar value, is it as it is the story. Right. Who, who, what kind of tea was poured from this teapot? At, and then I collect a whole bunch of silver trays. And I was like, what was served on this tray? At what event? Did some of my ancestors have to carry this tray into a room of people? So let me ask you more of a, a now question. Now meaning we have the advent of social media. So you're able to tell your stories to a wider audience if you choose to, if you actually put it out there. It's one of your one of your gifts, I would say, is storytelling. Just Thank knowing you. you and just knowing how much I've admired just, just your professional career and, of course, as friends. 
That being said, would you ever let you geek out? <laughs> today is my coming right? out party. I said today is my coming out party. Now, what I've done, yeah. what I have done for the last couple of years, there's a community center in St. Paul that I took all of my silver teapots. I've got dozens of them. And I took them down, I polished them all up, and I brought them to the community center. And I served tea to 100 elderly women out of my teapots. Brought me so much joy. And to them, I bet. And you know when I when I got up on the podium and I said the pots that you're drinking out of are from my personal collection the room cooed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that so many people when they become a collector of a thing, we find this all the time. There are people who collect it in order to share it, and there are people who collect it in order to just feel that feeling of completion to have another thing that they have on a shelf in a closet. I have to stop way. myself. Yeah. And so you seem to also though make sure that you share and use the things that give you joy and that's part of the process how many times have i invited you over for tea Shannon? i know you have okay, it right. is so funny but the one person i'm not even i'm not going to out them on, on what they said i said oh i'm gonna have roxanne on my podcast she's gonna talk about her her silver collection her tea and he's like oh no and i was like oh i'm very excited that's what we do you have people that talk about it all the time he goes yeah you can't go to her house she has too many of those things <laughs> she's like you won't fit in the house <laughs> I do, and i have to stop i i have to stop Stop. I mean, <laughs> but I, we all get to that yeah, point where yeah. you go, how can I be more intentional about the thing that I love? Yeah. You know, because sometimes you just have to be realistic as a human being in the amount of space that you and, have. I, this brings me joy on so many different levels, on so many different levels. One is the story about how it was made with the imprint on the bottom. I can research, I can look up that imprint and, and I'm, I'm immersed in the story. If I find one that's engraved, I can wonder about that person. And then, trend, you know, transforming a black and tarnished piece of silver into something that's shiny and beautiful in which I can see my own reflection, that measurable outcome of taking something that somebody was discarded and thought was ugly and useless and transforming it into something beautiful and use, useful, it's, it, uh, I'm, I'm wired that way. I'm wired for measurable outcome. That's why I became a And how a long have you been full-on geek about this? <laughs> Years, decades, like since you were a kid, like what was your first tea experience that kind of put you over the top on like that experience? I think um, I think I've probably been. I found porcelain teacups on sale, and they were the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, and so I started collecting them and kept collecting them. And then I went to London. And I was in Buckingham Palace. It's like the mecca of the mecca of tea. tea. I went to London and I was in Buckingham Palace and I bought a teapot, a teacup in Buckingham tea Palace. With the Queen, <laughs> but no, I didn't have tea with the Queen. But you had I tea adjacent to the Queen. I, 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 I stood behind her chair oh. in the royal dining room, wow. and then they explained to me about how those state dinners are taking place. And I toured the throne room. That's I was inside cool. Buckingham Palace, and London is just magical. There's so much right. history there, and the connection with tea. And I love tea. Tea is healthy for you. It's good for you. I've always drank tea. I've always loved tea. And then I started collecting the porcelain teacups. And then within the last ooh, five years, I started, I moved into the teapots. Okay. And um, it just brings me joy. I, I know it's like really geeky, but it's like my. I thing. love it. You need no, to stop being an apologize. We, <laughs> I, we, we don't, we do don't apologize for anything that we're geeks about. We don't ever apologize for it. We, we are somebody who loved pasta and they talked about pasta making and that's what they geeked out we have a barbecue sauce friend like never apologize for what gives you like to to watch you this excited like to watch you clanging around in that box gives us joy as well so never apologize especially around us 
we would love it. The thing that I think is interesting, though, too, when you throw your tea parties, because I've seen pictures, Jayden, we really should do this. Like, she's she gets out the very fancy macaroon. She has sherbets and such. Did you do, like, gelato or something? What did you do? I did did a a parfait. You did a whole, like, (laughs) fundraising event at your house. I did a parfait, and then I and then I do the macaroons and I make mandolins which are those little tea cakes I make mandolins? them fresh. see I know blueberry mandolins with lemon curd and I, I do that she said me. mandolins and yeah. my brain went to yeah. Star Wars and like said Mandalorians <laughs> is that a I'm showing Jade in a picture of my tea party and so that is insane you that's see, ridiculous you see some of my, my that's place. like a Pinterest thing and, and wow. so right and so you and this particular tea party I used a porcelain teapot that had a pewter butterfly because butterflies is another thing it had that's why I bought I bought, actually bought that porcelain teapot in LA it has a pewter butterfly on the lid and pewter is part silver and part yeah it's part silver and so yeah so there's there's my parfaits I make parfaits and there's my beautiful porcelain cups and then I you know and then I, oh and here's Jayden's here's, face here's a tea party where I made I made blueberry mandolins from scratch with almond flour and regular flour and I served it with lemon curd in an antique parfait glass you know and then so there's one of my t- antique por- teapots that I actually drink out of and I also serve it with crystal and linen and china teacups I mean I'm and then there the there are the macaroons I buy the macaroons I have chocolate this was a this was a uh, and uh, this was just for you and your cat yeah (laughs) yeah I love it because she makes tea parties. Something that a lot of people would go, that is too bougie for me. I can't. She makes them very accessible, though. It's like anyone could feel beautiful and loved doing this type of thing. I have to ask people to to leave. I could imagine. (laughs) Absolutely. They're so comfortable and reviving. It starts, you know, it'll start like a noon tea and we'll just morph right into dinner. That's the purpose of why you're doing it. That's exactly right. And and the tea started. The whole thing was some Queen Anne Duchess lady got hungry between um, meals, lunch and dinner, and so she invited friends over to have little tea cakes with her, and that's how the whole thing started. And people get confused with the difference between a high and a low tea. Yes, they think the tea where you have these lovely little noshes is actually the high tea. It's actually the low tea. So it's just a snack. It's a snack. Okay, but the high tea is is like a supper that you have at the end of the day but it's a it's a snack uh, some british royal got hungry in the middle of the day <laughs> and that's and why we have tea. A snack. Or those british spread those no cultures doritos. all over no, um, no she wanted tea cakes instead of doritos well, yes. I'm, i grew up in india and you know tea in india is chai which is a very it's a different type of a blend it's with milk and whatnot but we have quote-unquote chai breaks like every half hour <laughs> But, it, it, but it's part of the culture. It's part of getting together. It's part of take a break from work. Take a break from wherever you Let's just come over here and we're just going to sit down. And sometimes it's fancy. Sometimes it's not. But you go to my mom's house right now. She will, The first thing she'll ask you is, you want some chai? You want mm-hmm. some tea? And, and then we'll yeah. just sit down and just have some tea. And what happens in the course of that? I mean, like we've got the coffee shops and people will sit for hours and talk at coffee shops. But over the course of a cup of tea, what happens in the in the context of human relationships? There's a connection that forms, and these beautiful things that I have on the table here and that I've showed you pictures of facilitate 
those connections. And what that's are, why I just absolutely love it. It reminds me of everything, and it just sounds like terribly corny, but I'm a geek now, the whole world knows. <laughs> but it, 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 it symbolizes everything that is beautiful about the human connection, that we are wired to connect with each other. And there we can celebrate in the most ornate or in the most mundane kinds of ways. And so it's just a very beautiful thing that I'm like totally geeked out. One of the other things that I find very charming about it is, we've talked about this before, the concept of how we as a society don't have the the family meal anymore. We don't get together in a group to have that camaraderie and how that's changed a lot of yes. things anthropologically in our society because a lot of the ways that stories would get passed down generationally would be over a meal or over as some someone would be cooking whether it be over a fire in a kitchen whatever it was that was where a lot of those connections were made mm -hmm. and so we don't have as many of those it is a destination for us to get together over a beverage or a yeah. or a meal i mean i, I mean I'll, i also have you know crystal champagne flutes and there's a mimosa in the mix there so <laughs> you know um and i display my silver collection because I've got trays, cream and sugar, uh, pastry dishes, um, water pitchers, teapots, coffee pots, and I display them on a shelf you know, that I can see from just about everywhere in my kitchen. And just looking at them up there brings me joy because everything on that shelf is on purpose. Everything on that shelf reminds me about being intentional, about a meal, about a time together, about breaking. Every culture has a culture, uh, a ceremony, if you right. will, where you break bread yep. together. Tradition. Every tradition. culture right. has yep. a tradition where you break bread together. And it reminds me to be intentional. My favorite thing in the whole world, when I die and go to heaven, I get to do this every day, and that's just sit and, uh, at a beautiful table <laughs> with crazy people having a fantastic conversation, enjoying a wonderful meal. That's my favorite thing in the whole world. Sold. <laughs> um, uh, this is a tangential question. Uh, when you go into other people's, like I'm thinking more like estate sales, like those big giant mansions yeah. on Grand Avenue and whatever. There's every once in a while they have estate sales, and I've gone to one just to I kind of want to just walk through. But I saw a lot of what seemed like intentional acquisitions mm -hmm. of things, mm -hmm. right? That. I'm assuming meant so much to that family or that individual that lived there. Now, either they've passed on or they're not in a space to maintain that anymore. Do you ever go through those estate sales and kind of see the things that they have that, that reminds you of like, yep, I have a human connection, even though I've never met this person. They also like the same things that I like. Yeah, yeah I, I went to this one uh, consignment store on Hennepin Avenue and just about lost my mind because they had Sheffield uh, silver in there, which is sterling silver from London. And then they also had silver made from Paul Revere. Most people don't know that Paul Revere was a silversmith. And the Bell family from Minnesota was the, where a lot of that collection came from. Thousands, thousands of dollars in value for those sterling silver connections. And I saw teapots that were similar to mine. And I saw, you know, the service, the tray, the, the teapot, the coffee pot, the cream, the sugar, all of that. And it's like somebody else loves this as much as I do. 
And secondly, one day I got lost. At the, I was at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, and I was looking at an exhibit. I think it was a sunken treasure exhibit. And I got lost trying to find my way out of the museum, and I stumbled upon a silver collection up on, like, the fourth or fifth floor, fourth floor. Paul Revere silver was there. Sheffield silver was there. And I have a Sheffield uh, remake teapot. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and I was like, I have a piece of Sheffield <laughs> silver. But it's not like as expensive as that, but it's like, you know, it's a remake. And I was like, I felt an instant connection. Let's play Would You Rather. And so this is a very hypothetical Would You Rather. But would you rather have a piece of silver that you know had an amazing story or have a piece of silver that you knew was of great monetary value you know, the story that's okay. what does it for me you know and i you know when people come to my house and they see like oh my god you should hawk that stuff <laughs> <laughs> you know and I, i'm not ready to do that it's it's when i discovered the imprint on the bottom of the piece of silver which unlocks a whole world that i'd never i wasn't alive for and then locks a whole series of history that i can in the world of Google, look up and read about for hours because of that one little imprint. And then my mind starts to imagine and envision, you know, what happens. It's a story, Shannon. I collect silver because of the story and the in behind it. It's now, if I land upon a piece of sterling silver in my collection, no one's complaining. <laughs> is there a is there insurance for that? Does that make sense? Like you have all this, you have this amazing collection that would you is it insured or just in case something happens, natural it disaster? It is insured. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does insured. that go under renter's insurance and homeowner's yeah, insurance? Yeah, that yeah, part of it? Yeah. Okay. yeah, I think that up, up until a certain point, yeah. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Is there anything that you are on a search for right oh, now that you go, I would love to have X, yeah. Y, or Z yeah. in my collection? Yeah, I'm, I'm holding in my hand a very ornate, very heavy silver teapot. This was my first one. Yes. And I absolutely lost my mind when I found it. Do you see how ornate it is with the flowers and, and the uh, etching both on the, yeah, the handle, craftsmanship on the top, is amazing. Yeah. you know, on the fluted um, spout. It's got the... It's got the, the four legs. legs. Yeah. It's very ornate, very beautiful. I would love to find another one like mm. this. Okay. Like a pair. I would love it. I actually, I went online and I and I found the companion pieces to this exact teapot. Okay. And I may actually buy Get those. That'll be yeah. your present to yourself this yes. year. Okay. I may, I may actually do that. Well, we um, appreciate you bringing in this and sharing it to us. And you share um, a lot of your history um, and your experience in your book, Pockets of Joy. Yes, so yes. everybody can grab that. You can get that at her website, RoxanneBattle.com. That's Roxanne with one N. You can also go to PocketsOfJoy.com. But I want to make sure that we also remind everybody who is not who are not familiar with your book, what made you decide to write the book and what yeah. can they find in I wrote the book joy? about how to find joy in the difficult spaces in life and I went through both a personal and a professional pivot uh, and I write about both of them in the book and how I found and sustained joy that's a, so the first part of the book is my story it's my memoir then and that's called the pockets the second half of the book is called the joy and I research because I am a journalist the science of happiness mindfulness positive psychology and I give you seven steps that no matter what difficulty you're going through here are some steps that you can find and and, and use to find joy N namely gratitude and intentionality and authenticity I mean I'm like totally geeking out here today because you guys <laughs> are letting me be authentic in myself and like show my personality who I am and what really rocks my 
you know, world or whatever like that. And there's great joy in that. And so I wrote that book hoping that I wrote Pockets of Joy, hoping that my personal story and, and the difficulties that I encountered and how I found joy in the middle of that would inspire other people to know that you can get to the other side and that joy can be found. It does appear that you've had great success with though I, that. I've uh, been with you to a number of your book signings and a couple of your engagements and seen the way that people interact with you who have read your book. So have you had any surprises with the response? Every single time I'm out in public, people want, and after I've spoken or after they read the book, the, the, the thing that resonates most with me is go, that's me, that's my story, or me too. Oh my God, I thought it was just me. And people, and you've seen this, Shannon, mm-hmm. they come up to the tables with tears in their eyes, feeling understood. I laughed and I cried. Oh my gosh, this brought me so much joy. You know, you're talking about movies, Jaden, about how the director wants to create and emotional response. And in many ways, Pockets of Joy connects with readers in such a way that it creates an emotion, and that emotion creates a memory. And when you connect with something, you're helped, you, that helps you find your way in some way. And I, I'm just thrilled that by being authentic, by talking about my pain and my joy, has helped other people. I applaud you. So now, Jaden, now you know, next time you need to talk to somebody about actually finishing the book that you plan on writing, you can talk to Roxanne, because if she managed to finish her book in the midst of collecting all of these uh, things, silver. you can do it. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll do a p- personal consult after the podcast. <laughs> okay. No charge. Well, our no next bono. our next episode of Be Our Geek is actually going to happen on location in Los Angeles, California. Right, Jaden? Yeah. We're going to figure this out. Now, one of the things that we promised ourselves, it turns out we are hilarious. Um, Holistically, as a B, uh, a BR Geek family and as a Twin Cities Film Fest family, we are going to Los Angeles for what kind of event? It's a festival's 10-year anniversary celebration house party. Yes. And so I do think it's interesting. Like, Roxanne, you I'm have coming. been invited, so you're coming. We're yeah. all going to go together. We're going to figure this out. And we are promising ourselves, we are saying this now, we have to speak uh, truth to power. We are going to do... An episode in LA. We are not just no. going to party. No. We promise that we are actually the party, party will be the backdrop. <laughs> and it's an all day party yes. with a break in the middle. Right. So either we can do it at the break, we can do it before everybody gets now, this too is, happy. This is what we want you to watch, Roxanne. Okay, because we've done this before. Jaden and I usually are pretty good about staying on task when we're out and about and having an event. I'm and worried about you too. No, 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 no. Listen, no, this, is, this is what you need to worry about. So, Jaden has been with the Twin Cities Film Fest. This is their 10th year. And I knew him in college, so I'm very familiar with Jaden. So, we know how we vibe. We have another friend who's known us both for just as long, but we thrive him nuts. And that's our managing director of the Twin Cities Film Fest, Bill Cooper. And Bill Cooper is amazing, but we stress him out. And so... <laughs> I don't know what doesn't stress out, Bill. <laughs> and so, a little Just the way he's wired, but I think in the most brilliant way. <laughs> In a little inside baseball that you'll get to watch about when we're doing our podcast is just watch because there have been other occasions where they were doing a Twin Cities Film Fest event and Jayton and I decided to do our podcast and it drives Bill nuts but we're going to do it anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that's was a, that's not a, That's a dicey I think you should. I think you guys should just do it and get it out of the way. Oh no, we do it boldly like in his face and so the best experience We just have we to make it, sure Bill has enough drinks in his hand and he's that having he a That he won't like time. diva and throw him out of this yeah. but he did, he did a, he, like he 
did diva out at us at the Twin Cities Actors Expo, and it was so glorious. We'll have to send you the link funny. to that expo because we walk in with our case full of equipment to do our we podcast. We were in and out in <laughs> 25 minutes. But you would have thought we disrupted the entire, <laughs> the entire day. He actually flourished a curtain at us in disrespect. Yeah. And he's going to be <laughs> there. Dis- he was so upset. Yeah. So, Bill, like Bill, we love you. We're doing the podcast there. Um, and so you can find out more, of course, about the Twin Cities Film Fest by going to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. You can find more about Roxanne and get her book by going to her we- her website, RoxanneBattle.com. Roxanne with one N. Or as she puts it, a singular A singular N. A singular N. You can also get there by PocketsOfJoy.com. Perfect. And so we do have some great events that are coming up at the Twin Cities Film Fest throughout the rest of this year. And then we are going to roll directly into our main festival in October. So we encourage encourage everybody to come out and be a part of that. Also coming up later this month, the Twin Cities Film Fest is uh, uh, partnering with the Ordway Theater yeah. here in the Twin Cities. They're doing a night with Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. So we are showcasing the film. You're going to be able to see that and also do a question and answer with the cast following the performance. Wow. All of that information is also available on our website, TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. So we're going to do some red carpet stuff. We're going to do a costume contest. If you want to come down, there will be llamas uh, yep. uh, on hand there from what I understand. Did you say mamas or llamas? Llamas. There will be llamas. Yeah, there will be llamas available and then we are actually going to talk to the primary cast members. Maybe there will be llamas mamas. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so you can get that information again on our website and on ordway.com. Uh, we always encourage you to be part of Be Our Geek and you can join our family by following us Be Our Geek Show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and you can email us at Be Our Geek Show at um, um, Be Our Geek Show uh, at gmail.com and as always we appreciate you being part of the family we here we'll see you here next time on be our geek because everyone is a geek about something see you in la thank you to be your best every day you need proven quality sleep every night Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.